you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Awesome. We got some special things planned for next week as well. And so, we're talking about love this month. I want you to turn to John chapter 10. We're going to talk briefly about the word sacrifice. And it fits right here. Sacrifice. Loving like Jesus requires sacrifice. Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. And so, not only did he do that, but he instructed us to do that as well. And so, you remember the first week we we talked about uh, Jesus loving us. Um, My mind just went, we're on week three, and we're (laughs) we're talking about love as we sacrifice. Let me let you know that at 11.30, Pastor Sheila and I have to cut out the door to catch a plane. So that's on my mind that we don't miss our flight. Um, so if you see us leave, I'm going to have Michael come and uh, close the service. But I do want to take us through the word that the Lord has us today, has for us today. You know, as, as parents, you have your children and they come. And Elizabeth was like this as we were, uh, as she was growing up at Dad, you're in the middle of something and you're trying to repair something and your kid's there and they want to help and you think, uh, it's going to take me three times as, as long to do this. Why don't you just go play with your toys? I've, I've got things to do here. And if you continue in that way, thinking that you're going to waste time if your child comes to help, You're missing a blessing. Instead of sacrificing, having that child help you and building that relationship. Think about the word sacrifice and what it means. Are we willing to sacrifice to build relationships? Are we willing to sacrifice to love? Jesus came and he said in in John chapter 10. Now, we think about John 10, 10 that that Jesus said the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But look at verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus laid down his life for the sheep. We're his sheep. And so what does it mean to lay down your life? Does it mean that I can... I have to die so that you can live. And Jesus did that. And we see in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16 that by this we know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life for us. And it doesn't stop there. It says we ought to lay down our life for our brothers. If we look at verse 17 and 18, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? 
Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and in truth. Laying down our life involves choosing to give up something that I want to give you something that you need. What does that sacrifice look like? Are we willing to take a detour in our lives to save someone else's life? Jesus did not come to this earth to please himself. He came to please his father. And in pleasing his father, he gave us life. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God proves his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we we can see that love can be proven. Love can be proven. Proving our words means that we're having corresponding actions with our words. These actions result from a choice that we make in our heart. Sacrifice. We see it in Romans 15, verse 1. It says when, that uh, those that are strong ought to bear the weaknesses or the infirmities, infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. So we have to move ourselves out of the way in order to help someone else. The sacrifice that's involved. When we lived in Rome, Italy, for about eight years as missionaries, uh, we got a call one day from the, from the United States, actually in Oklahoma, a, a church that was supporting us and we had connections with, a covenant with. They called us and said, we have a woman and her child from Albania that needs a place to stay. Could you take them in? We said, absolutely. We were living in a two-bedroom apartment. And so this mother came, had her child. We found out the child had some medical issues and had some serious um, allergies, food allergies. But it, it made her mal, mal, malnutrition, malnourished. <laughs> malnourished. And so they came to stay with us. As they came to stay with us, we put her in our daughter's room, in our daughter's bed. They shared our daughter's bed, and our daughter slept with us. It was the sacrifice that we made. But through that, you can imagine, we didn't know when she was going to be allowed to come into the States. And so a few weeks turned into more than a few weeks. And we learned what setting ourselves aside and loving someone else really was. It's, it's in those times that the Lord, and, and I'm using that example because it's real to me. Are we willing to give what we have for someone in need? Are we willing to allow God to use your life to save others while you're still alive? He's not asking you to die physically. Jesus did that for our salvation. But he's asking us to lay down our lives so that we can help others that need. I want us to look uh, at Luke 10. Luke 10, starting in verse 25. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to pick out some points in this parable. Jesus used a parable, and it wasn't wasn't a, a real occasion or a real account. 
it was a illustration that he used. And so in this illustration, it goes like this in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That was always a big question, still a question today. What is, uh, what is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And uh, the expert of the law answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, let's stop right there. He, Jesus is talking about the good Samaritan, right? But he's answering the question, who is my neighbor? And he's also answering another question, how can I inherit eternal life? Think about the context of what Jesus is talking about here. Man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho... When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. He went way away. He saw him, but he turned. I've been guilty of that, seeing someone in need and saying, I didn't see that. <laughs> so too, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, thank God for the good Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He actually did something, didn't just look at him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Oil and wine were, were very costly. Not everybody had oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert of the law said... Uh, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. What a powerful story. So many points there. We could, we could spend four weeks on, on, on that passage of Scripture alone. I want to answer a couple of questions. First of all, who is our neighbor? Who is your neighbor? It's not the person living beside you. We can't think about this English word called neighbor. It's not the one who lives next door. People can live next door and ignore each other the whole time they're living there. I don't know my neighbor. Well, whose fault is that? The ball's in your court. Or the cookies may be in your oven. Just put them on a plate and take them to your neighbor. The person living beside you. A neighbor is somebody that you draw close to. You draw close to. Not necessarily that they have drawn close to you first. Again, it's always your choice to draw close to somebody that you want to be neighborly to. 
Jesus answered this question of who's our neighbor, but he answered so much more. There's three points I see from this passage today. You know, you can look at the passage and you see, pick out three points or two points or four points or whatever. I'm going to give them to you real quick. Number one, see the opportunity. The priest and the Levi apparently saw the man but turned their head and went on the other side of the street. How many times have we? We notice that there's a need and we're like, yep, somebody else will get that. I just met, I just, I gave, I gave yesterday. Now, yeah. We see others in need when we're looking. So we have to see the opportunity. The great thing about the good Samaritan that made him good was that he noticed the guy, but he didn't look away. Listen, when God shows us an opportunity to help someone and to sacrifice, God is the one that gives you what you need to meet that need. It's not in you. You don't have to come up with it. God will over and abundantly meet your needs so that you can help meet the needs of others. Number two, go the extra mile. The Samaritan had to go out of his way. It inconvenienced him. Here's what he did. He cleaned him up. He put him on his donkey. I think that uh, the, the man man that was half dead had to ride on the donkey and the good Samaritan had to lead the donkey. That's just what I think. That's what I see when I see this parable. So it took him extra time. He wasn't able to ride the donkey. He had to lead the donkey with the man that was hurt. He took him to a hotel. The good Samaritan stayed overnight with him because it said he got, the ne- got up the next day and told the innkeeper. So he didn't take him to the hotel and say he dropped him off and say, here, see you later. He stayed overnight with him to make sure that he was still alive the next day. I don't know. Think about it. The sacrifice that the good Samaritan made. Number five, he paid in advance. He had enough money to pay in advance for this man's stay and then he promised to come back and make up the difference we have to go the extra mile because people are hurt and they're dirty and they need somebody to help them clean up themselves we all know people that are hurt and dirty and those people that are hurt and dirty sometimes most of the time will not ask for help but they still need help they still need help People that are injured need a ride. How many in here have ever given anybody a ride? (laughs) How many have ever got a ride? Thank you for giving me a ride. And thank you for giving people a ride. Friends gave me a ride to a church service the night that I gave my life and my heart to Jesus Christ. This part of sacrificial giving. You may not think it's much, but it's huge. People that are injured need a ride. He, he, the Good Samaritan took this man to a place of safety. He took him to safety and he says, I've got your back. Not watch out or I'll stab you in the back. Right? I've got your back. Who's going to pay for the stay? Our minds always ask, well, what's this going to cost me? But we need to answer the question, this question with our heart and not our head. Because your head can talk you out of it every time. 
I don't have enough. I can't, I don't have enough. I don't even have enough for myself. But listen, God will provide more than you need if you're willing to sacrifice for someone else. Going the extra mile will always cost you something, but the reward is so much greater than the upfront cost. You're laying treasures up in heaven. And the last point is that this is good Samaritan followed up. He followed up. This is awesome. He promised to come back and make up the difference, which meant he intended on returning to that place to find out what happened to that man. And if he needed to pay any more, he was ready to do it. You know, we all have the tendency to start out well, but most of us fizzle out before the finish line. Right? Leaving a lasting legacy is not just making one sacrifice every now and then. It's, all, it's following up. It's being consistent all the way to the end. And the very last point that I want to leave with is what next? Now that we've heard the word, we're responsible to do the word. What, 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 what's next in our life this morning in February of 2020? Jesus said, go and do likewise. Think about it for just a moment. I want you to close your eyes as Michael comes. And I want to ask you a couple of questions. How many people, how many people each day do we see like this man that was on the side of the street? He was beaten up and half dead. How many people do we see? And do we go out of our way to help them? Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. And remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.